Morning, church. Today's reading comes from Acts 2, verses 1 to 21. The Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Figria and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on my people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is the word of the Lord. We're coming, we're coming to the end of our series on encounters. And in one sense, this is kind of like the grand finale. Right? We've arrived at Pentecost, which is a great way to finish our time. We've got one more video. It's going to be sad to see the videos end. Um, but we've got one last video. Um, it's from uh, Kim, Kim Hodge, those of you who know her. Um, some of you might remember her as running around in, in the kids' program years ago. She's definitely not running around the kids' program these days, um, but she's actually got a really beautiful thing to share. I just wanted to say before before we watch the video is we were kind of wondering, we didn't really know what would go where and where we would put whatever video, and then we had one spot left at Pentecost and we thought, oh, what are we going to do there? And then Kim shares her video and we're like, ah, oh, thank you, Jesus. You'll see why. Uh, thanks, Matt. Let's watch that video. Um, well, hello, everyone. My name is Kim. I'm part of that tall family known as the Hodges and we have called Pitwater home for a good 17 or 18 years. So ever since we moved to the beaches when I was around seven or eight, um, we started coming to this church. Um, our grandparents used to come here. So it was a big family affair. So 
Yeah, knowing knowing who Jesus was and going to church were two very normal things in my life. Um, and I really view that as a real blessing to, yeah, have known who Jesus was and had that modeled by mum and dad, like all through, um, yeah, my early years and for all the other people that have shaped um, my understanding of who Jesus is, whether that's through cooker and kids church and youth group um, and Bible studies. Um, there's been so many people that have really shaped um, my view of God and what it means to live as a Christian. Um, and yeah, I'm really thankful for everyone that's played a part in that. Um, yeah. And I think looking back and reflecting on my faith journey, the idea that God often speaks in a whisper, um, whereby you have to listen quite carefully um, to his subtleness is something that rings quite true for my experiences um, with Jesus or my Jesus encounters, as we're talking about um, at the moment with the sermon series. Um, so there have been a number of times where I definitely have encountered Jesus um, in a quite a profound way, whether that's on um, youth camps, often seem to do that. Um, the mission trip to India when I was 14 was super pivotal in how I viewed prayer um, and just the reality of God in places that were really foreign um, and unfamiliar to me. Um, yeah, worship nights, even at school, there was lots of places where um, yeah, you'd counter Jesus. Um, but I think the part of God growing up that I was probably more connected to or maybe felt a lot more comfortable with was this idea of um, God in the Bible. And I think what I mean by that is my ability to try and understand the nature of God and the Bible and his will, um, things like apologetics and theology all made me feel like I knew God more and made me feel more connected to him. Um, and for those of you who've been in my Bible studies or my youth kids know that I love deep questions and theology and tangents. I encourage tangents. I love taking, like making tangents myself. Um, so this idea of, um, yeah, really sort of understanding theology um, was really important to me um, growing up and made me feel a lot more connected to God. And I think God did make me that way in terms of being um, inquisitive and a bit of a knowledge craver. Um, but I think sometimes maybe I overemphasize that part of God of trying to know everything about him, um, which in reality um, you just can't do. Um, and I say this to sort of set the scene for the specific encounter I had in 2018. Um, that was super unique for me um, and it very much challenged this idea of being able to just understand God um, and sort of, yeah, it was a very Jesus um, experience. So. Yeah, I'll share a little bit about that now. Um, yeah, so it happened back in 2018. I'd recently broken my leg playing basketball, so I was pretty homebound and sore and bored. And I heard that there was a worship night happening at Newport just down the road. A few of my school friends were going, so got mum to drop me there. Mum ended up staying. Thanks, mum. And yeah, it was this big worship night. There was probably about 100 ish young people who are all there from different churches to um yeah to worship to worship god the band was awesome um i sort of had my knee scooter if anyone remembers that and i like wheeled up the back of the ramp and sat there and um yeah worshiped and was prayed for um there's even someone who um, had the gift of prophecy and that was quite interesting and very new to me as well and so i was just sort of observing and um yeah sort of yeah, mainly observing um and obviously partaking in worship and stuff, but there was a lot of people that were speaking in tongues at this event. And that was pretty 
foreign to me, just my experiences growing up, I hadn't really encountered that a lot. I'd obviously read it in the Bible. Um, I knew there was lots of moments where the Holy Spirit came upon people powerfully and they spoke in other languages and, and in tongues. Um, but I think I hadn't really seen it for myself. And so seeing a whole bunch of people my age, um, yeah, really, yeah, speak in tongues um, throughout this worship night was super eye-opening for me and I was very curious about it. I was a little bit put off. I'm a bit of a skeptic at heart. And so I was sort of, yeah, just the sheer number of people speaking in tongues. I was like, is this for real? Or are people putting this on? Or is this really God being super present in this place? Um, there was even one point in the night where they asked if anyone wanted the gift of tongues and people would go up to the front and they'd pray over them. Um, anyway, this worship night on, went on for hours. I had to leave. I was too tired after a few hours of the worship night and mom drove me home, um, got my crutches, went down the stairs, set myself up in bed with my yeah, newly operated on leg and turned off the light and went to pray as you normally do before bed. I just yeah would try and pray before bed in my head. Um, and as I did it, all of a sudden I felt this urge to just open my mouth and these words came out. And I was like, what the, and I like stopped straight away and just shut my mouth essentially and was like, what was that? Like, no. And then just felt this urge to open my mouth again. And I just couldn't sort of stop these words from, from coming out. So I tried to stop another, another like one or two times. And yeah, I just, I couldn't stop these words. Um, I didn't know what words I was saying, but the way I was saying it was um, very much like a sentence, like a normal sort of up and down sentence structure. It didn't resemble any kind of words that I was that familiar with, um, but this probably went on for about one to two minutes um, and then it stopped and I knew it was done. Like it wasn't like the other times where I'd stopped and had this immense urge to keep going. Like I just, yeah, just knew it was done. It was the weirdest feeling. And then I literally sat up in bed, like turned on the light and was like, what was that? I need to pray about this. Like I'm so shook right now. And so I sat up and yeah, I went to pray and I started praying and I just had this feeling like just God already knows. Like I had this like immense peace and that kind of really rattled me because I wanted to sort of verbalize everything and lay out sort of what I'd felt or an experienced for the last minute or two. And I just didn't need to like at all. Like I just had this peace that I've kind of never felt before. Um, and it was, yeah, in that moment, I sort of remembered how they talked about tongues during the night as like your spirit praying to God. Um, and it sort of clicked for me a little bit that maybe what I already had on my heart had already been prayed for in that moment. I don't know, I don't know what that was. Um, and then also in 1 Corinthians 14 too, it says, for anyone who speaks in tongues does not speak to people, but to God. And in that moment, right, just had this peace and didn't need to sort of lay out what had happened to God. I kind of, that really felt true. And um, yeah. And so then what happened then? Yeah, fell fast asleep. And then next day I sort of woke up, told my family, told different people. And um, I haven't had that experience happen again. Um, I've been able to share it with a lot of people. Um, I still probably have quite a lot of questions about why it happened or what, um, maybe why it hasn't happened again um, and the likes of that. But I think it's taught me so much about who Jesus is. And some of the key things that it taught me is that the spirit is just undeniably real and tangible and it's not just something that we that we read about that yeah I'm a Christian I have the spirit in me like this moment was so profound that I just couldn't you just can't deny that the Holy Spirit's in you and shaping you to be more like Christ um, and that's just a key part of yeah my faith and everyone's faith but to be reminded of that was very 
um, powerful and a, and a real blessing. Um, the second thing is that it's okay not to understand everything. Um, and I think this encounter with Jesus sort of gave me a posture of humbleness of being able to acknowledge that yeah, there's so much about God that I won't understand um, and I don't need to. Um, and it's that idea of fearing God, but for the right reasons, like having a reverent awe for him and just being able to sit in that, yeah, that posture of humbleness and um, yeah, just acknowledge that his ways are far greater and more perfect than I can even start to conceive and understand. Um, and the third is that, yeah, these Jesus encounters don't, don't happen in the ways that we're maybe most familiar or that we'd expect. Um, and then that's actually beautiful and that's actually what God will often do. So whilst there's all these moments of subtlety and little whispers that I've had, like there are moments where God will just break through that. Um, and yeah, in, in very biblical ways, but also just very unfamiliar to how I was, how I was used to. So um, that is a little bit about my faith journey and yeah, my encounter with Jesus. Amen, hey? Um, I watched it this week at my, my desk and I sent Kim a text and was like, oh, Kim, I'm all, I'm all teary watching your video. She was like, what? What are you talking about anyway? Um, yeah, here we are, Pentecost, right? We're talking about encountering Jesus. We're talking about encountering the Spirit. We're talking about God being real in the world in which we live. Um, and I guess in one sense, the story of Pentecost is kind of like, for the, for the church, it's the original encounter, isn't it? It's the, it's the one we, we think of, we, we celebrate, we refer to this time when the Spirit is poured out upon the world. And the followers of Jesus, those people in this little Jesus movement, from that point um, find out that uh, the, the plan that God has for them is that it would not be this little Jesus movement, but it would be a worldwide Jesus movement, that it would be a Jesus movement that to this day, 2,000 years later on the other side of the world, we're still talking about and we're still celebrating. Um, let me jump into the passage a little bit. Acts, it, it starts with a departure. If you read Acts, the first story is Jesus leaving. The disciples are all standing around and are all a bit dazed and confused as Jesus, who's been hanging out with them for 40 days, ascends into the heavens, sad to see him go, confused as to what is next. But not long after the departure, you have an arrival, right? It starts with a departure, but is soon followed by an arrival of the Holy Spirit poured out in power amongst the people. And the Spirit comes uh, and makes a bit of a noise when the Spirit arrives. There's wind, there's fire on people's heads. They're speaking in different languages with which they don't know. A story I'm sure we have all heard many times before. I won't go over it in detail. Um, but the spirit, the, the, the spirit crashes into the world like a cup from heaven being poured out upon the world. In my head, I don't know how good this analogy is, but this is what I think of it. It's like kind of like in heaven, it's like there's this pool of the spirit filled to the top. And then when Jesus ascends, like he does this big belly flop into it. And it's like over, like when he ascends and arrives in heaven, the spirit is just, you know, like poured out. He just splashed upon the whole world. And in a new way that they'd never experienced before, the spirit just is poured out 
upon God's people. The Spirit is there in the very beginning and all through the Old Testament, but you see something new, something different happen here. Hot off the heels of the Spirit coming to Peter and to the disciples, you see the Peter gets up and preaches, right? He's not a preacher. He's not an educated man. He's a fisherman. He's actually a country guy, right? But he stands up amongst the gathering and he gives this powerful message to all those that are here that day. Uh, have a look in, uh, in Acts 2.16. He says, What you uh, know, what you see, was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In those last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servant, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. Joel, seeing what is happening around him, recounts Joel. Peter, seeing what is happening around him, recounts the story of Joel. He remembers this scripture and he sees this prophecy made in the prophet Joel hundreds and hundreds of years ago coming to life in front of him. And he is moved to let them know. He, he just can't hold back what he is seeing in his explanation to them. The spirit comes upon them and it moves in them in words. Right? They're all speaking different languages. They're speaking in tongues they don't know. But then it continues to move in words, but now not in words that they don't understand, but words that they do. As Peter preaches, what he's preaching from is not of himself. It's not of his own knowledge or his skill or his own understanding, but what he's preaching is the spirit is flowing through him to all those that are there watching. Because we know that the spirit of God moves in the preached word. Um, have a look a little bit later um, at the end of the passage, at the end of this chapter, we didn't get to read this part. Um, after Peter has his long sermon, it says, uh, verse 40, then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging, urging all his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Those who believed what Peter said were baptised and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. Not because of how good Peter was, not at all. He was the, probably the last person you'd pick to get up and give an impassioned preach. But when he stands up and he speaks, they're not his words that he's speaking. Just like when he was speaking in tongues, there was not his words that he was saying. But the words that he shares are the words that the Spirit is giving him, as, as that he's working through him. Now, I sat down and I read this passage this week and I thought to myself, man, it feels like I've just preached this passage. I looked at my files like, yeah, I did, a year ago. That makes sense, doesn't it? Like, it's kind of an annual thing. Um, but then, you know, sometimes when you hit these passages, like, what am I going to say? Like, we all know this one, don't we? We all know the story. We all know Pentecost, all that kind of stuff. But as I was sitting there and I was thinking about the sermon this week, um, and I thought, what am I going to say? I thought to myself, well, the story never changes. It hasn't for 2,000 years, has it? The story of Pentecost remains the same. But what changes year by year is us as we read it. The thing that is different is where we are, where we are in our walk of faith, where we are as a people, as a community, where we are individually before God. So the question for us is where we stand today, what is the message of Pentecost for us? 
What is it that God is saying to us here today, People United Church, 2023? What's the message of Pentecost for us as we sit here? Let me, let me tell you a long story. So forgive me if you've heard this before. Uh, last year, um, we were doing a youth group and we have our roster and we set our roster for youth group and we thought we'd talk about gifts of the spirit. And one of the gifts which we decided to talk about was prophecy, right? It's written on the, on the, on the schedule and um, my name was next to it. Anyway, that week comes, I look at the roster and I'm like, oh, prophecy, okay. I guess I've got to preach on prophecy. I'm like, hmm. What am I going to say? I went look through my, my records, which I often do. Have I done one before? Nah. Oh, man. It's like, okay, start from scratch. All right, well, so God was good. That week I actually had a bit of time. Often I don't have much time to do a whole heap of prep for my youth talks. But I had a bit of time. Um, I sat at the computer one night and I was um, looking up some passages and looking at some, some, some online videos and just getting some different ideas of what it might be. And... Um, I had a really quite a profound experience in this prepping for this little youth talk. As I was uh, looking up some scriptures that might be helpful, I came across this passage in 1 Corinthians 14. So not 13. We all know 13 really well. That's why you hear it every wedding, right? Um, love is patient, love is kind, all that kind of stuff, right? But 1 Corinthians 14, the one that comes afterwards, which is largely about Paul talking to the church in Corinth about the use of tongues in the gathering and the use of prophecy in the gathering. And they're having some troubles and Paul's kind of trying to straighten it out for them. And as I was reading this passage, I thought to myself, I have not read this passage in a long, long time. Like, you know, I just hadn't really looked at this passage in a long, long time. And as I was reading it, I remembered a sermon I heard on it as a teenager. When I was a teenager, we did 1 Corinthians as a series. I remember it because it took like six months. It was like we just, we did like literally, you know, chapter verse, the whole thing. It was like 16, 15 chapters of it. And uh, I remember this sermon. We had a guest preacher. It was an old retired minister who came in and he got up and he said, oh, I'm preaching on 1 Corinthians 14 today. I've never preached this in my life. Here we go. And off he did. And he gave a very kind of traditional conservative style sermon on it. And I remember, I remember that for some reason as I'm reading it, and then middle-aged me is sitting in front of my computer thinking to myself, well, I'm reading it now and I've never preached on it either. You know, like, it's funny the way that the Spirit works sometimes in reminding you of something. And as I'm sitting there and I'm reading this passage, I'm reading all these things, and I'm kind of getting a bit stirred by what I'm reading. Um, this is from 1 Corinthians 14. I'm reading this bit in, chapter, in verse 5 where it says, I wish you could all speak in tongues... But even more, I wish you could all prophesy. For prophecy is greater than speaking in tongues. I'm like, oh, interesting. Kind of tongues is the one we kind of elevate, isn't it? But here Paul's saying, oh, man, I wish you'd just be speaking in, in prophecy and not speaking in tongues. Um, verse 30, he, he says, And if a revelation comes to someone who is sitting down, uh, the first speaker should stop. For you can all prophesy in turn so that everyone might be instructed and encouraged. I'm like, wow, I'm like, what? They can all prophesy in turn. That all these in this gathering are there and there's this broad, wide gift of prophecy, so much so that they need to like line up. Don't shout over top of each other. Be organized and orderly when you're doing it. There's something in this particular idea of meeting and gathering together 
and speaking words of prophecy to one another. That really got me. I was like, wow, I've gone to a lot of church services. I don't ever remember that happening. But yet Paul clearly is telling the people here in Corinth, this is how they should do this. And then this, is, this was the one that, that really struck me. This is from verse 24 and 25. But if an unbeliever or an inquirer comes in while everyone is prophesying, they are convicted of sin and brought under judgment by all. As the secrets of their hearts are laid bare, so they will fall down and they will worship God, proclaiming, God is really among you. I was like, wow. An unbeliever comes into a gathering of, of Christians that are speaking in prophecy to one another and they hear a prophetic word. And what happens? The secrets of their heart are laid bare and, and they fall down and they worship God and they say, God is here. And I'm reading this and I'm like, wow. I'm like, wow, this isn't something which I've experienced in my time in Christian gatherings. You know, I've been to a few, but why aren't we doing this? So Friday night comes and I'm like thinking, well, what are we going to do? I can't just give them this talk about how, you know, powerful prophecy is and how when you gather together, you should prophesy and the secrets of your heart are laid bare and then go, well, that was good. Why don't we all um, go shoot some hoops or something? You know, like, like well, how, what am I going to do? So I get the leaders in earlier and I say, well, this is my plan. <laughs> we need to pray about it because I think it's got a good chance of totally tanking, right? This might really not work. I said, what we'll do is um, we'll say just the kids who want to. You don't have to if you don't want to. We'll come into this space right here and we're just going to spend some time in, in, in the quiet and we're going to listen. We're going to see if God says anything. And then we're going to share. And then if someone shares something, I want you to listen to what they say and just think to yourself, is that, is that a message for me? So that it had the, uh, the possibility to completely tank on two levels. Firstly, everyone might go, nah, I think I'll go do something different. Or we might do it and it just might be like really awkward, right? Anyway, we, we come in here. We spend 10, 15 minutes. I've got some, you know, some worship music on. And I say, kids, what? Does anyone want to share anything? Thinking, you know, there might be dead silence here. There was not dead silence. There was sharing. People were sharing um, images that they had, sharing um, a word or a message. People were sharing verses. They were sharing um, bits of a song lyric that came up to them. And other kids are listening to it and saying, that sounds like something that's going on for me. And then after it was all said and done, one of the kids came up and said, oh, when blah, blah, blah said that, it was like exactly what was happening in my life. I'm just like, of course it was. Of course it was. When I was in that time, I was given an image of a fertile field. Just a quick a glimpse of a picture in my head that just popped into my brain, the idea of a fertile field. Anyway, afterwards, we debrief with the leaders and we're standing around, we're like, what were we worried about? Like, what were we worried about, you know? Like, well, why are we so scared of the idea that if a bunch of people come together and want to engage in God and want to hear him, that he won't show up? Of course he will. And he did. And he does. And he continues to. Why am I telling you this? This is a good question. Um, because I think this is the message of Pentecost for us. Is it not? The spirit is alive and moving. It's not a story of the past that we read and retell and retell and go, wasn't that a lovely thing that happened back then? No, 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 no. The message is the spirit is alive and moving. It is the gift 
that Christ sends as he ascends into the heavens is he pours out his spirit on all those who want it, all those who seek. If you seek, you will find. Do we believe that to be true? The words of Jesus, if you knock, the door will be open. Because if we seek, I believe we do find. I think sometimes the problem is we're kind of sitting in our, back in our chair or whatever and we're like, well, why isn't God appearing to me miraculously? It's like, well, maybe you should seek. Maybe you should, you know, seek is the active word in that phrase. The story of Pentecost is not just a, a historical record of a thing that once happened, but it's an example of what God does in the hearts of his people when they want to seek him, when they want his closeness, when they want his nearness. I'm not talking about the wind and the fire and all that kind of stuff. I'm talking about this renewed passion, the sort of passion that would get you up in front of a bunch of strangers to preach all day long and have 3,000 of them be baptised, like that passion in your heart, right, that comes when the Spirit of God lands on people for whom they want to receive it. We've been hearing all of these stories about people's encounters um, with Christ, uh, and they've been beautiful, and they've been great. Uh, Joan, the other day, remember Joan's um, story, and what was, what was her final thing? She's like, I want to testify that the Spirit is alive. And I'm like, yes, Joan, amen to that, sister. I want to testify to that too. The Spirit is alive. You know, we weren't sure what video was going to play on Pentecost, and we thought, oh, I'm not sure how we might need to figure out which one's which and where it's going to go. And then, and then Kim gave us the perfect Pentecost video. Um, Jesus obviously had that one lined up for us. Uh, because what does she testify to? That the Spirit is alive, that it's active, that it does things sometimes that you don't exact, entirely understand or know why, but it moves in the hearts of those that seek that those that want to have more. Our second vision value is that we might be engaged. We might be family, we might be engaged, we might be active. And that idea of engaged isn't like we just want people to be on rosters, right? That's good. We do want people to be on rosters. But our point isn't that we want people to be on rosters. Our point is that if we look to the future of this church, what would be a marker of success if the people of our church are engaged in seeking the Spirit, engaged in living out their faith, engaged in learning more, in stretching themselves, in growing. Engaged in a faith and not sitting back passively, just letting it kind of play out in front of you as though it's like a, you know, a, a, a movie on a screen with which you are just a viewer. Right? But our, our vision is that we might be engaged in what the Spirit is doing and as i stand here today and i've come to another pentecost sermon and i think what am i going to say i think well this is the message for us today the spirit is alive it is ready for all those who want to engage so we're going to do things a bit differently you might have thought to yourself hey we only had one song you're feeling ripped off don't worry all right we've got you covered we wanted to spend some time in response to the word, in response um, to, to this, this story, in response to the reading, um, in worship and prayer together, right? So we've saved up all of our songs for the end, which is, which is a good thing. But I want to encourage you to do something else too. Uh, ben, I'll, I'll let you guys come up, Ben, if you could. That'd be great. I want you to come and fill this front space. Look, we've, we've moved the front row. We've moved the, 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 the tablecloth out to the side. I want you to come down and use this front space for us to spend some time in worship and prayer together. It might feel a little bit uncomfortable, perhaps. 
to start. Uh, and for those who aren't that mobile, don't feel pressured in any way, shape or form, but for those who are mobile, do feel pressured. <laughs> All right? We're going to spend some time in worship together as God's people. Like, what a blessing to do that. And as a response to what God has shown us and is saying to us in Pentecost, um, we're going to uh, sing, we're going to have an opportunity for prayer afterwards, I'm going to spend some time soaking in, trying to live Pentecost rather than just talk about it. Come on down, brothers and sisters. Let's, be, let's, let's spend some time in worship, song and prayer together.